0: Hey, good morning. Well, uh, great to see you guys. Like Carlos said, we are in this series called Timeless. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at Proverbs from all around the world and showing how they relate to the Proverbs of the Bible. Uh, And today we're going to look at the proverb what goes around, comes around. And I'm sure we all have some stories, don't we? Yeah, like I remember 27 years ago in January, Kathy and I are moving from Chicago to Austin to start Gateway Church and it's winter. So it's freezing cold and, and it's snowy. And um, my daughter was four years old. Ashley was four. Justin was one. My, grand, my, um, my mother-in-law had come into town from Houston to help watch the kids while we packed and the moving van was coming that afternoon and we had gotten everything packed except the garage. So I'm out in the garage and I'm getting everything packed and you know I'm worried that I'm not gonna get it done in time. And I see the lawnmower gasoline can and it has just like an inch or two of gasoline in the bottom. And I thought, I think you're supposed to take this like to the toxic waste dump or something. And then suddenly a modern cultural proverb came into my head. Do what seems right to you. And I thought, I don't have time to do that. The moving van is coming. I'll just pour it out on the side of the house, you know, in the flower bed. There are no flowers in there. That's not going to hurt anybody. And so I did. And it worked great. And I got the moving van loaded in time. Everything was fine. And then uh, we're putting the kids to bed that night. And my wife said, she smelled something. Go check the stove. Make sure the stove got turned off. So I went and I and I and I checked the stove and the stove was turned off. And he said, it kind of smells like natural gas. And so I went and I I looked at the heater, you know, the 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 hot water heater and the and the furnace, and I, I didn't really smell much there, but I was smelling it too. And 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 my wife and my kids and my mother-in-law were all talking about it over the next hour. It's getting worse, the smell's getting worse, and I had no idea where it could have come from. Well, I thought, you know, well, if it is the, the heater, I mean, that can be really dangerous to have a gas leak. So I called the HVAC company. They came out at 8 p.m., checked the, 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 the furnace and the heater, everything was fine, but he smelled it too. And so he went upstairs and he smelled it a little bit there and then he goes down into the crawl space. Now, a crawl space in the Midwest in the house is like a four foot space if you don't have a, a basement under the floor. And so he's down in there and he shouts up at me, it's a lot stronger smelling down here, but there aren't any gas pipes, so I'm confused. And suddenly, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) I did this. Oh my gosh, I sowed gasoline in the freezing cold flower bed next to the house and I reaped it evaporating through the porous concrete into the crawl space and now... The, the heater returns were sucking the air up and taking it through my whole house. And the proverb came back into my mind again, don't admit this. <laughs> it's the proverb of instant gratification, right? It's strong in our culture. Another problem, of course, is that I'm a pastor. <laughs> but even worse, we were going to have the inspection and the walkthrough in two days and I had to get this smell out. I didn't know what to do. So I confessed my wrong to the HVAC man, thinking he could help me. Well, instead he goes and he shuts off the heater and padlocks it. He, he put a padlock, like, like he didn't trust me or something. <laughs> so here we are in 10 degree freezing Chicago with two little kids and a mother-in-law and there's no heat in the house. We had to pack everybody up and move them to the basement of a friend's house for the next three days while John tried to figure out how to get rid of his mistake. And so the next day, I spent the whole day digging a grave five feet deep on the side of my house in the flower bed in 10 degree weather. I had to borrow a neighbor's truck to to take all of that smelly dirt and, and haul it off. I did find the toxic waste dump thank you very much. And then I had to get more good dirt and charcoal to fill back in the hole to absorb the fumes. I had to rent four big blowers and keep all the windows of the house open with these loud, noisy blowers blowing all the air out in hopes that in two days, you know, the neighbors weren't going to walk in and feel like they were moving into a gas can. Well, and of course, all my neighbors came by to see if the pastor guy was actually burying somebody on the side of the house or why, why they could only see my head and a shovel going like this. And why did he have all his windows open in 10 degree weather? And I got to explain my mistake to everybody. Now, miraculously, we got the smell out. We passed inspection and they didn't say anything at the walkthrough and we moved and never looked back the next day. But I learned a valuable lesson. Laws are there to protect us, sometimes to protect us from ourselves. And when we violate them, we reap what we sow. Now, we've all felt the reality of this proverb, what goes around comes around, or you reap what you sow. But of course, our prevailing cultural proverb is antithesis to this and much louder, do what seems right to you. Do it your own way. But I want to challenge that. Is that really wise, or is that in fact foolish? Isn't it more wise to consider what are the longer term effects of my choices and actions actually going to be? And maybe you've experienced this in your own way through decisions of the past. Maybe you felt it in school when you cheated and, and you got caught. Um, maybe. You, you felt it when you kept buying things on credit until one day suddenly you couldn't even pay the interest on your debt. Or maybe you felt it when you started getting high and because all your friends, everyone's doing it, except you couldn't stop. And then addiction to alcohol and drugs took over until you were enslaved. That was the consequence. Or maybe you were promiscuous and sexually active, and, and, and then you got pregnant or you got someone pregnant or you got a, a, an STD. And, and we feel the consequences of, of our actions. You can probably think of your own scenario of reaping and sowing. We all can. And my gasoline can mistake was not my last and not my worst. <laughs> when we feel the consequences of our actions, many times we blame God. Many times we get upset, like, God, why are you doing this to me? But here's what you have to understand. God's not. God has put laws in motion, physical laws like the law of gravity. And if I walk off this stage, I will drop, right? If I deny the law of gravity. But he's also put spiritual laws, moral laws in place. And he talks about how he's put these in every culture and he's given us wisdom to guide us as well. And these are the Proverbs we're talking about. You know, we see God's moral law in every culture. Romans 2 tells us we should expect this. Romans 2.14, it says, even when Gentiles, in other words, the non-Jewish nations who do not have God's written law instinctively follow what the law says, they show that in their hearts, they know right from wrong. They demonstrate that God's law is written within them. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but if you look at every major world religion, there is a similar moral law across all of the world's religions because God has put that moral law in our hearts. So, of course, it comes out in our moral or religious pursuits. And it's basically a variation of the Ten Commandments. But, like the the Buddhist Eightfold Path, is way more morally rigorous, if you ever really look at it, impossible to follow. The Ten Commandments, of course, add the first commandment, which is to put God first and not let anything be an idol or be first in your life apart from the God who created you. And in most all of the religions, there is some form of what in Hinduism or Indian culture is called the law of karma, which has also been adopted by Buddhist culture. It's the law of sowing and reaping. What goes around comes around. Now, since that word karma gets thrown around a lot in our culture, i want to take a minute to explain what it is and what it isn't and how it relates to the Bible, to God's moral law. Because, you know, like, like Taylor Swift came out with a song this year called Karma. Very confusing. Here are the lyrics. Because karma is my boyfriend. Karma is a god. Karma is the breeze in my hair on the weekend, Karma is a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you, it's not? Karma is your checks about to bounce. Karma is the fire in your house. (laughs) Wow. Someone feels good about herself and has no mercy on others, right? I guess Kelsey is her well-deserved karma. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. Karma is is not a God. Karma is is just the good or bad consequences of good or bad actions. Okay, that, that's the idea of karma. So, like for instance, if you date Taylor Swift, the consequences you get more camera time than Patrick Mahomes at the Super Bowl, <laughs> right? It's just a consequence of dating Taylor Swift. I mean, you would think that Travis Kelsey was the MVP player of the Super Bowl. Did you notice that? <laughs> Actually, I think Taylor Swift was the MVP. She, she Brought in the most money for the Super Bowl. But what is is karma? All right. It's a Hindu idea originally, but like I said, adopted as well by Buddhism. Karma is a Sanskrit word, which just means action. Just means action. And generally speaking, karma is the idea that your, your positive thoughts, words, and actions will receive a positive consequence. Your negative thoughts deeds, actions, uh, will, will receive a, a negative consequence. And so in its most basic form, it is an example of God's moral law written in our hearts that comes out in our moral codes. But there are many variations and distortions of this basic law. So in its basic form, it's the same thing the Bible teaches, the wisdom of the Proverbs and the Bible says, if you set a trap for others, you'll get caught in it yourself. If you roll a boulder down on others, it will crush you instead. Now, as we've been saying, the wisdom of Proverbs is is generally true. I mean, is it always true that someone who does something terrible will always feel terrible consequences? No, sometimes people get away with murder, but not always and not forever. But it's generally true. Here's the way the New Testament puts this law. It says, Uh, In Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. And it's God just telling us this. He has put moral laws and the way things are supposed to work according to the creator. If we ignore God's will, we shouldn't be surprised when consequences follow that, when negative consequences follow. Now, again, it's, it's generally true. If you plant goodness and kindness toward others, you'll reap goodness and kindness back, right? If you plant honesty toward others, you'll, you'll reap trust and, and loyalty back. If you plant politics in 2024, you'll reap division back, Probably, right? Yeah, let's get ready. So generally it's true, but it's not always true. For instance, my dad loved to garden, and um, he, in his office, you know there were no plants, and he decided he was going to put some plants in there. So he potted, he put in, in, in pots these Texas Star plants. So he, he planted Texas Star, and he expected to reap Texas Star. But instead, about a year later, he discovered not just Texas Star, but cannabis growing in his pot plants. <laughs> Literally pot plants. Turned out that uh, the janitorial service had a little side hustle going, right? Yes, and uh, they, they sowed pot, they reaped jail. <laughs> but proverbial wisdom is, is generally true. But not always. I mean, in our lost, broken, evil world, sometimes people sow corruption and deceit and they reap wealth, right? They seem to get away with it, but not forever, not always. And Jesus said to us that all of us must give a a personal account to God. And he said, we will be rewarded for the good and the good deeds and the kind acts done. And we can lose our reward as well. And that's an important thing to realize that there are consequences, not only in this life, but into the life to come. Now on the positive side, Jesus reiterated this law in in a positive command known as the golden rule. He said this in Matthew seven. So in everything Do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. In other words, if you just do this one simple thing, right, to treat others the way you want to be treated, you're fulfilling all the moral laws of God. It's called the law of love. And it's the way God wants us to treat each other. So to summarize, in its basic idea, Karma is an example of the general moral law of sowing and reaping that the Bible talks about. But karma is not a god. And karma can be a brutal doctrine when it's tied to other doctrines that are not found in the Bible. For instance, the doctrine of samsara. So samsara is a Sanskrit term that basically means the cycle of death and rebirth. It's this idea of the transmigration of the soul or reincarnation from one life to the next life. And when the idea of karma gets linked to it, what it means is you pay for your bad or good in the the future life you will live. And samsara is a brutal God to live under in reality. Because here's the thing, we all make mistakes. We all sin, we all have issues, we all suffer. And yet, if this, if this doctrine of samsara is true, then you deserve it all. Think about that. Right? It's the consequence of your past lives. Now, this is not what the Bible teaches. But if, if you think about it, you can't even remember your past lives to know what you did wrong to improve, but hey, too bad. And you're cycling through thousands and thousands of lives. The other Challenge I have in thinking about this is I don't see that many people who have no bad karma, so it doesn't seem to be working very well. But if you really believe this, here's the problem, the impoverished, the diseased, the starving, then they deserve their suffering. They're just having to pay for their bad karma from the past life. Don't help them. They've got to work it out themselves so they'll have a better next life. Now, you may think that is a harsh overstatement, but it's not. Now, honestly, in modern India, that, that idea is starting to go away. But just 30 years ago, my friend Jaya and Lakshmi, who, who we helped build a hospital for the poorest of the poor in, in Davaleswaram, India, you know, he start, they started a, an orphanage, and here's how. Two little girls were in a, in a car accident, and both their parents were killed. I mean, they were were like infants, and no one would take them in because obviously to have both your parents taken from you means you have bad karma, and they didn't want that karma on them, so no one would take them. But Jaya and Lakshmi, had, even though they grew up in Hinduism, they'd come to faith in Christ. Jaya actually was reading the Vedas, the oldest Hindu scriptures, and in it he read about the God of light who sent the Prush Prajapati who would be a man who would die for the remission of karma to set us free from the effects of our bad karma. And he wanted to know this God of light and start seeking and praying, who is this God of light? And eventually he has a vision where he sees this brilliant God of light who tells him that he's Jesus. And as a result, Jaya gives his life to Jesus, starts following Jesus. And because Jesus said, The opposite. He said, no, you should care for the poor. You should care for the lost and the least and the marginalized and the forgotten. And as a result, Jaya and Lakshmi took these two girls in and eventually took in 200 other children that they fed and taught and educated and cared for. And many of you who have been giving to this church have been supporting that ministry for years. Now, um, Many of you may not know this, but Jaya passed away earlier this year. And uh, we, were, we were very sad to miss him. But i got to tell you, his good deeds have followed him. And God will reward him for all the good that he has done. And that's the big difference with what the Bible teaches about sowing and reaping. There is a reward. But the other side of it is Jesus paid for all our wrongs. In other words, the consequence of, of our bad karma, the consequence of our sins and our bad deeds is not what, what, what many religious systems teach, which is that your good works have to outweigh your bad works, you know, at the time of your death in order for you to go to heaven or nirvana or enlightenment or whatever it is. But that's not what the Bible teaches. It 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 teaches that relationship with God is a gift. It's more like this. This is the way God sees it more. I'll give you an example. Imagine that I gave you this huge bowl, okay, and and for every and I and I gave you a, a huge box of eggs. And for every good deed you ever did in your life, you have to crack a good egg and put it in that bowl, okay? So you know, you, you, you told the truth when you thought about lying. Crack a good egg, put it in that bowl. You know, you stood up for someone being bullied in middle school. Crack the good egg, put it in that bowl. You know, you, you, uh, you were kind to your brother when you wanted to smack him. Crack the egg, put it in the bowl, right? Uh, you, you gave to help people in need, you gave money, Crack the egg, put it in. We've all probably accumulated a lot of good eggs in that bowl of life, right? Okay, but now imagine I give you this big box of rotten, stinky, smelly eggs. I mean, smells like sulfur, just horrible. And for every bad deed you've ever done, you've gotta crack one of these brown rotten eggs and put it in the bowl, all right? So first time you lied, Crack that bad egg, put it in there. You know? When, when you were mean to your brother or sister, crack the bad egg, put it in there. You know, when when you did something that you knew was morally wrong, but you did it anyway, crack the bad egg, put it in there. You know, when when you disobeyed your parents, ooh, crack the bad egg, put it in there. When you cheated on your income tax, oh, that doesn't count. Uh, crack the egg, put it in there, right? Now, how bad would your bowl smell by now? I'll tell you how bad mine would smell. Like you wouldn't want to be around it. Okay. Now we know that this is the human condition. This is the state of, uh, of things. We all do good. We all do wrong. Right. And, 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 and many times we're told the solution is we'll just put more good eggs in, but how many good eggs do you have to put in to take away the bad smell? you can't. The bad smell has to be removed separately. Someone has to remove, neutralize the bad smell. And this is what God says he's done through Jesus. God can't stand the smell of all our rebellion and all our turning against his will and doing things our way because it creates all this hurt and pain and confusion in life. He can't stand it. But God says relationship with God is not based on sowing and reaping. Heaven is not based on the good or bad deeds we've done. It's a gift. Take a look. Ephesians chapter two says it this way. God saved you. Or that just means set you in right relationship with himself by his grace. That's something you don't deserve when you believed or when you put your trust in him. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. It's not based on sowing and reaping. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. You're his work of art. He created us anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, the way we are set right with God, the way we know we are in heaven with him forever, comes from trusting what God says he did for us to remove the bad karma, the sins, the rotten, smelly eggs of our life. Not only what we've done in the past, but the present and even for the future. And the reason he's willing to do that as a gift, notice, not based on your deeds. And the reason he's willing to do that is because he loves you. And he created you for intimacy with himself, for relationship. And what he wants to do is is get rid of the effects of that. And, And the way he did that is Jesus died on the cross to pay for what we owe. And he did that so that we can turn back to God. And he can be right to forgive us. And then he says to us, look, I love you. Walk with me through life and together... You know, I'm going to help you as you follow my spirit. I'm going to help you grow to do more and more of the good deeds that I plan for you to do before you were ever born. So relationship with God is a gift. Okay, but there's still a reality to this idea of the law of sowing and reaping or karma. You can't mock God. And and, and friends, I got to just shoot really straight with you. I see in Christian culture especially this misunderstanding of grace. Grace is God's forgiveness. It sets us right with God. But then when people think, well, I can just do whatever the, I want and there are no consequences, that's not true. It's not true in this life, but it's also not true in the life to come. It's just that the consequence is not that it would separate you from God or, or send you to hell. The consequence is that you you either are rewarded for how you live this life or you lose reward for how you lose this life. And Jesus was very clear about that. So, what God wants is that we would accept his gift and we would walk with him through life and that we would pay attention to this law of sowing and reaping so that we sow good and we reap blessing. We reap reward, but we may, you know, we may be right with God. We may be saved, but that doesn't mean there won't be consequences. If you sleep around, you still may get an STD and then don't say, why is God doing this to me? He's not. You're doing it to yourself, right? We may cut ethical corners or or blow up at someone at work and get fired. And you may say, why God, why do you do this to me? He didn't, you did it to yourself. There is the law of sowing and reaping. Just like if I walk off and I fall down, I shouldn't say, God, why did you make me fall? Right? He puts certain physical and moral laws in place. Now, the other important thing is God is merciful. God is merciful. And even when we violate the law of sowing and reaping, even when we do wrong, It's not the end of the story. He doesn't abandon us. He moves in with us to guide us through it. So if you keep playing with matches and you set your house on fire, it doesn't mean he's just going to put the fire out, but it means he he will be with you in it and deliver you through it, and he'll make you stronger as a result, and he'll help you learn from it. One other little side note. Sometimes people think, that like oh I did this this terrible thing over here or maybe I you know I, I got addicted to pornography and so now my child has this horrible disease no that's not sowing and reaping the consequences are always related to the to the actions you know there, there's not some random thing like that that happens where we just get punished because of things we do no instead. God wants to lead us so that we sow good and we reap better. So that Galatians 6 passage goes on. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. So let me ask you, first question, have you accepted God's gift of relationship, of salvation, of forgiveness? It's not based on what you do or don't do. It's a gift that he's given. And and if you never have, just tell him today. Tell him, thank you, God, that you're willing to forgive all of my wrongs. And I, I want what Jesus did to count for me, to pay for that so that you can come into my life and lead and guide me. And then if, if you have that relationship with God, don't just ignore the law of sowing and reaping. It's not wise. You know, if you've struggled with with addictions in the past, don't just keep on sowing, partying, and, and hanging out with the wrong crowd and reaping continued chains of slavery. Start to sow good habits. You know, g- get into our restore classes and, and, and work through a path, a, a new habit so that you can reap better in your life. You know, if, if, you've, if you've been sowing habits and things in your life, and, and you don't like how you're living now, let us help you. That's why the church is here, to lock arms with each other and walk together, not in judgment, but in grace. You know, not in condemnation. Scripture says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, so that we can walk with him to become the people we are intended. You know, get connected around here and let us walk together so that all of us start to sow better habits and reap better results. And let me just say as well, if you're, you're watching online today, you know, we want to help you connect and, and, and grow, even, even online, wherever you are around the world. And uh, today we're going to have an online starting gate. I'm going to be on there with Eric. We're going to do a, a Q&A. It's going to be at 1245 uh, Central Standard Time. You can just scan that, that QR code and register for it right now. So today, after the second service at 1245, and let us help you get connected. God's spirit wants to guide you. And together as a church, we can support each other so that we sow good and we reap the best. Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you so much that you are merciful and you're kind and you're wise. And you've told us about these, these moral laws, like the law of sowing and reaping, not to be mean, but to say it's how you created the world and we should pay attention to it. We should trust you in it. And God, the truth is that many of us, most of all of us, we've sown seeds that later reap things that we didn't want and we were surprised. But God, thank you that you forgive all of our wrongs so that we will reconnect to you and we will walk with you. And we will learn from you how to sow better and better seeds so that we reap greater and greater harvests. And Lord, I pray that that we will do that. And just right now, whatever maybe God is speaking to you in your heart, is there something you've been kind of hiding from him? You know, you can't hide anything from God. And you don't need to. He loves you. He cares about you. Is there something God's putting a finger on saying that i i I want you to give that to me and let me help you sow better habits in your life so that you won't keep reaping destruction and if that's you why don't you just tell him right now okay god i'm willing help me i i want to sow good things i want to reap the best god thank you that you are with us in it all you're merciful you're kind you're loving And you'll never leave us or forsake us in Christ. We can be confident of that. No matter how many times we fall down, you're a good father who picks up his child and helps us learn to walk and eventually run. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen.